Welcome to a new episode of Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. In this podcast, we talk with Latinos working in the tech industry and share tools on how to take your career to the next level. If you're watching the video version of this episode, remember to like the video and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening to the audio version, you can give us five stars on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Feedback is always welcome, so you can write to us at hello at latinoswhotech.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Kevin Sandoval, welcome to the show. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, thank you for having me, Hugo. Es un placer. Placer. Eh, what's on your mind right now? <laughs> on my mind, huh? Let's Boston sleep. or things in Boston. Yeah, I'm just, I think for starters, trying to wrap up the end of the work day and getting into the weekend. But yeah, I'm just, uh, I think whenever anyone asks me that, I think it's really easy during this time to, to focus on our problem. And I'm, I've been trying to shift towards a place of gratefulness and trying to count my blessings at this time. I know it's really hard for everyone, but I'm just trying to stay grateful, count my blessings every day and just uh, stay grounded. So I'm just lucky to to be working on things that I care about, being able to talk with people like yourself. And in the times that I have to myself, just trying to work on music and take it one day at a time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and gratefulness and beauty can be in the smaller things, right? The, yeah. Something like, oh yeah, the sunset looked nice today. Or I had, yeah. I had the coffee that I liked for breakfast. Yeah, the small thing. Well, I find that- The small uh, things. The most, especially we're coped up in the house and like every day seems like it's the same day. We're stuck in this groundhog day loop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The small things can mean a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I'm just, I'm, everything that's going on. I still, I can work from home. I still have a job. I'm not in a bad environment. I'm with my, I moved back in, moved back in with family for a little bit just to, to stabilize and be with them during this time. And once things settle down, I'm looking forward to go off on my own and see where, where life takes me. But yeah, just ex excited to be here right now. Kevin, tell me your story. Maybe you have to tell your story in five minutes. <laughs> How do you break into tech? How do you get involved with the Mentor Collective? Sure. And sure. So my, my story is definitely not conventional, but I think it starts off being a little kid from Honduras and coming here when I was five years old and my birthday's a little bit later when I got here they I couldn't get enrolled in school because I was so young and my mom who I love and she was my first mentor really my first role model she came into to the United States and I looked up to her a lot mainly because I think during the time in, in, in Honduras it was really hard to be a woman kind of anything she was an accountant she was an engineer so I looked up to her as someone who she was taking full time, full time in college while dealing with me and raising me much to, in, very, in her very own mom way. She was like, no, I'm going to homeschool you. I was homeschooled because she didn't want to wait. I had me a year doing nothing before I could start. And she just drilled into me book, workbooks, math and science every single day, nine to five for a year. And I could, I wouldn't be able to watch t television or go out if I didn't finish my assignments. But what ended up happening is even though I was kicking and screaming at the time, when I went to school. I was a lot more advanced than other kids. I did really well in school. And I think being an immigrant, when you're, when your kid yeah, does really well in school, obviously when they say, Hey, I, I think I want to learn music. They're like, hell no, you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, which is, this is a common story. I think mo most people have heard about this. 
but my dad used to work at IBM. I'd always, I wouldn't really see him that much. He's working a lot and trying to support us. And uh, whenever I did see him, it would spend time just either in his truck going from this repair to that repair or at his computer. So he taught me from a very young age how to use Windows and, and Windows XP was what I was using at the time. So I think that was my introduction to tech and I understood it. I really liked it. He's a big self-proclaimed nerd himself. And my basement just looks like an old micro center. <laughs> like it's all old computers and manuals. And he taught himself all the tech stuff. And I think for me, one thing I didn't understand was I, my holy trinity, I think, was music, technology, and business. So whereas I always liked technology, I always loved music, I didn't know how I could bake it in. So I would have to, even though I was doing really well in, in school all the time, and I was nothing near a maker. I didn't drink and do anything. I didn't go to parties. Like I was just the parents would dream, but they're like, no, like you got to focus on school. So I'd have to sneak out and say, I'm going to go see, I'm going to go play basketball. I want to go my girlfriend and go learn music. And so I finally did. And that ended up. What do you play? Or what I, do you play at the time? Yeah. I, I taught myself like theory and piano and guitar. Now I play piano, guitar, bass, drums, keys, just a lot of different things. And I've been teaching for 10 years, but that, that you know, ended, let me go to Berkeley. I was at Berkeley for a semester and where, whereas it was the best semester I've ever had, there's no way in heck I could afford it, especially if I'm paying it for myself, but they landed me at UMass Lowell. And I think after seeing so many Berkeley grads be baristas, <laughs> I was like, maybe I should think about this and not put all my eggs in one basket. So I decided to challenge myself. I was like, all right, I'm going to challenge my assumptions. I think I want to dedicate my life to music. Let me put that to a challenge. So essentially, while being in college, I made my own my own major. And I was in economics, entrepreneurship, and environment and society because I'm still big on renewable energy and environment. Worked for a solar energy company, but that was that was before I get to that. What really changed me was this place, this nonprofit called Year Up, and Year Up is essentially a nonprofit that takes kids from the ages of 18 to 24 and gives them six months of training in whether it be like IT, I did IT, project management, finance, sales, customer service, which I actually helped them to build that curriculum. And six months of that, they give you a bi-week stipend and then a six month internship. So at the time I called it really hard because of the fact that we didn't have mentoring or a student success department, my advisors, it was one advisor, 300 students being a first generation student, my parents don't have the experience of telling me everything I need to know and do it well for college. So it was all just like me doing it by myself. And that first year was really hard. And I thought about, was this even the right place for me? But so I took a year off and I decided to do year up because they also give you college credit. So I was like, learn something. And it, like, it would only be good in the end. So I think I went in really confused and lost undergrad. I came out, taught my class, graduate speaker, got the best internship, worked at the hedge fund that the big short is in, like the one that pretty much discovered the that the 2008 financial crisis is coming. And I just went out with a newfound sense of confidence and what I wanted. And that was when I had a good support system and found my mentors there and the importance of networking and conducting. And we're also used to being on the, like the job seeking side of the interview table. Like we're, we only get interviewed, we can't interview other people. And that's when they told me to flip it on his head. And if you want to learn something, instead of watching a video or a book, go find someone, go on LinkedIn. You want to learn about real estate? Look who's good at real estate. On LinkedIn in your area and ask them, hey, I'm young, I'm looking in the area, into the industry, or I see you have like 25 years experience. Can I buy you a cup of coffee or 
hop on the phone. I just want to learn about it. And that's when I really started that becoming the secret sauce of my career advancement of information interviews and seeking that's advice awesome. and, and seeking mentors. That's what led me to the beginning of me being in like the tech startup space and my internships, a bunch of different tech startups and doing not just IT and tech, but mainly like recruiting, business development, sales, which has been the majority of my career now. Um, and through all of that, just realizing, okay, I really like business. I like technology, like music. And there is this little thing called blockchain that was happening at the time. And I was lucky enough to get invited to, to be at MIT for a year and, and study emerging technologies and blockchain to solve problems with the music industry. And I learned a lot, not just about blockchain, but mainly about the music industry. And I was going to start, try to start my own company at the time, but I realized it would be too much. I don't know enough. I don't know the right people. And it just, it'd be, it'd be, it was, I would fail forward, but I think I, I tumbled that. I said, I, I think I need to wait a bit. So I decided to continue working and through Europe's alumni network, they have a little staffing arm called UPRO. And that's when all the alumni, they send them like every once in a while, here are these jobs or these people are hiring. Some of the first employees that Metzer Collective, my company now, had also been a part of Europe. I saw the email come in from one of the founders, hey, Metzer Collective is hiring. And I loved what they did and what was going on. And it, that was pretty much history. I think I spoke with 10 people just to get to the final round. But ever since then, I think since what, June of last year is when I really started, but that's been my way there. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, been, it's quite quite a journey, quite a journey. And I'm yes. just trying to absorb everything because no, it's not the it doesn't happen in one day. No. It's not that you don't find your mentoring one you cannot make a checklist like Monday, find mentor, Tuesday, do interview, Wednesday, find dream job. Like it doesn't work that way. It's more of a process. In my case, I you was a uh, like fifty percent serendipity, fifty percent process. Because I was doing informational interviews with people that were doing the jobs I thought I was interested in. And like in my case, I was thinking, hey, I'm an engineer. Maybe I can work as a design engineer for two years and then break into product marketing. And everybody I was talking to was telling me, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. That's the way to go. Until I found somebody that told me, we'll go. Are you nuts? Why don't you go into product marketing right now? Look at all these rotation programs they have for engineers just like you. Facebook has one, Intel has one, Tesla has one, Twitter has one. Apply to all of them. And that was the game of the realization that, hey, I don't need to put my dreams on hold. Yeah. And like, because it's my path. It's not somebody else's path. It's my path. I decide what opportunities I pursue. And especially now, you know, that energy and time and focus are limited. What do you spend your energy on each day? Uh, no, so thank you for sharing that story. Yes, yeah, of course. Five minutes is a, is, a, is a short amount of time. To, it was to, tough, but I try. I don't know if I did five minutes. But, no, you uh, did. You perfectly. You did perfectly. <laughs> so tell me a bit about the Mentor Collective and what's the mission? What, what sure. are they trying to solve? How they're doing it? And maybe yeah. a bit of the role is right now. Sure. So Mentor Collective, we, it's a small company, a tech startup, about I think under 50 people. We started about six years ago. And essentially the mission of the company is to empower people to reach their full potential. And 
I made a decision before coming here was I don't want to be, I want to work and build something with people that I was truly mission vision aligned. When I heard about what they were doing and how they're trying, their mission is to empower, obviously, people's full potential and really help students get access to transformative mentorship. Because that's what we do. We partner with institutions to help build their skill access to peer mentorship programs. And when we, I say peer mentorship, I mean like student to student, helping each other. Because a lot of times in my experience, I couldn't relate to my advisor who started college 30 years ago and didn't understand me. I didn't understand him. And it just wasn't that fruitful relationship. And mainly because advising is broken in higher ed, right? You have one advisor for 300 plus students, sometimes more. Uh, but yeah, that's what we do. And I think for me, I realized that I was very lucky. Like I'm one of the proactive kids that whether it was in me or someone told me that I went to go seek mentorship and networked and professional development and personal development. I was one of the few, but the reality is with my peer colleagues, that wasn't the case. A lot of us mm -hmm. didn't do any of this or we didn't have access to any of the schools we went to, the importance of mentorship. And I think what we do now really is for me, a lot of my work stems from trying to work with underserved populations, first-generation students or kids like myself, right? First-generation students of color, underserved populations get access to education and mentorship the way we all should, right? It's a right to be able to put, be put in a position to succeed. But my role now is on the partnership side of things. So it's my role to, to speak with decision makers and leaders at institutions and work with them to understand what are their student success initiatives or peer mentorship initiatives currently at the institution and how are you supporting students? Are they set up to, in a position to, to succeed? So that's really a lot of my work. And for me, what keeps me going is helping, knowing that I'm putting my blood, sweat, and tears in to help more students like myself get access to mentorship. Because I think mentorship is so powerful because it really is each one teach one. It can create community. It creates community and it creates generational wealth, right? I think that's one of the things that makes it so powerful. That culture of mentorship of today, I'm a mentee tomorrow, I'm a mentor to my son or a family member or friend and parts of the community. And it, it's it's cyclical and it's sustainable and it's built for the long term because leaders do not go it alone. You ask any CEO or anyone, they did not do it themselves. And I think, especially in, in times of today where, you know, a lot of injustice in the world. We need to stick together and show each other how to do it and how to go farther together. No, fantastic. And something that, especially, I love that you mentioned the generational wealth part because money, man, this is the old, these old <laughs> abuelita sayings, right? That, hey, mijo, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it buys you choices. And choices can lead to happiness. And the fact that, hey, you know what? Maybe you can build your six-month, five-month, 12-month emergency fund, pay off your student loans, do all these kinds of things if you do get that tech job that you are looking for. Especially this audience that the two or three people that listen to this, that they're either in tech already, they know the value of that, or they want to break into tech. And, and I think that there's a... There's this misconception that you need to be a top 1%, 2% engineer mm -hmm. to get a, a job in tech. And you don't even need to be an engineer. Like, I just happen to be one, but 
Not need biz, biz development people. They need operations people. Not at all. Yeah. 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 So t- talk to me a bit about like imposter syndrome and how do you <laughs> manage it? Maybe give some advice for folks that are like, yeah. it right now. Yeah. I love that you said that. And it's so true. I thought, oh man, I have to, if I have to, it doesn't matter if I'm like on the HR side of things or on the, I don't know, like the finance side of things, I still need to know code, right? I need to learn how to program or be technically minded. And whereas I do have technical background just from my childhood with my dad, and I did do an IT program with year up, but no, I think one of the most important things I think, and this ties into it, I'll be short, but the most important thing that I see my friends or young kids in college or just graduated, maybe in their first jobs, and they're terrified because they thought college was going to give them the answer of what do you want to do with your life? You're supposed to figure that out in college or prior or after. And I think they think everyone knows the answer to that besides themselves. They're the only ones that doesn't know what they want to do with their life. And the reality is you kind of subscribe to existential therapy. And that is very short. It's, do you know what makes you happy? If the answer is yes, then go do that. Wonderful. If you don't, then you have to find out because tomorrow isn't guaranteed. And when people say, but what does that mean? I'm like, okay. So if you ask me, what is your favorite fruit? And you don't know, you got to go try fruit to figure it out. Ah, mango, right? Ah, peaches, whatever. So I think in the same way that even when you're feeling an impo- like an imposter or a, I question your assumptions and challenge your assumptions. So this is what I want to do, right? I've tried everything else or tried enough and this is what I want to do. And when you have that, yes, it is tech. It's, I don't know, A or coding or network infrastructure or whatever it may be in, within the tech spectrum because it's so large and so many things you can do. If you want to do it, you'll make it work. And I think for me, the way I did it was, okay, I want to get into tech. So who... Who are the people that have the job that I want now? And who are the people that have the career that I want? So those two different people. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn is, it's a free tool, right? Obviously, it's, fantastic. It, it it's, it's the same. I'm a power user. I've been using it ever since, I think like 2015. And I haven't stopped mainly because for that reason, right? For people kind of get in or oh, I don't have any te- technical skills, but I really want it. Great. So think about what makes you love technology. What makes you want to get into it or what makes you want to work at this company? And I also wouldn't want to apply to a thousand jobs, be intentional, pick 10 or five jobs or five companies that you really want to work for, study them, think about where they are now, what they're doing, what could they be doing in the future? What role do you want to play in it? And for example, like Adventure Collective, if this was the place for your listeners who are like, I want to get into tech, I don't have, I don't have any technicality, but I want to. For starters, we're in the world of YouTube and Google University. Like the, we're in the age of Aquarius, the information age, like knowledge is free for the most part. If you do have some kind of Wi-Fi or a, a smartphone or a laptop or tablet, anything, you can go to a cafe, right? Even if it's in Honduras, right? I want to go learn. I'm going to a cafe and using the computers there, whatever, or a library, a book. The point is that like, you want to learn something now at the time because it's either free or it's very easy to access for the most part. And if you want to learn something, if you want to do that, then ask, raise your hand. That's what Steve Jobs says, ask, raise your hand. Mm -hmm. So if those that don't want to watch a video or read, look, okay, who does work at, for example, Mental Collective, right? Who is doing the thing that you want? And you can ask them for advice. Say, hey, whatever, Kevin, 
I love what you're doing. I'd love to learn more and I want to do what you're doing. Could you like maybe spare 15 minutes and just give me some advice or tell me how I'd want to do this? Sure, of course. And then anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm more than happy to do that because I was that kid. I was always reaching out and asking for advice, asking for help. So I think just raising your hand is the most important thing and knowing that we all go through it, right? I think in regards to imposter syndrome, there are days that we have doubts or why am I even here? Or, oh my God, everyone here is so smart. What about me? Do I even deserve to be here? Or why am I even here? How did you, how did I make it? And the reality is you're there for a reason, right? They're smart people. They didn't decide to choose you out of a hundred people who applied for the job for no reason. You're there. And if anything, your work every day should be a testament to why you deserve the job. And we're all humans. We all have the same doubts and fears. I think it's until we have confidence in ourselves and believe in ourselves that we were like, no, I'm here for a reason. And, and if not, then do things that make you shut that noise out. Remind yourself of how awesome you are. But, yeah. 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 So something very tactical that I do works for me because, hey, I have two podcasts about technology. Right? I have Conexiones <laughs> and I have things Yeah. Like I go to my Apple podcast reviews and I just read them. Whenever I have a, a bad day or a day that is not so good, or whenever it's it's 1 a.m. and I need to publish an episode within the next 10 hours because people are waiting for it, I, you know what, let me just Apple podcast reviews and I just read them. And I realize that, oh, wow, there's an audience there that really cares about this stuff. Yeah. So if you want to make my day, go to Apple podcast and leave a review. Yeah. I do read them. They do let me, they keep me honest right? when am I covering the topics that they care about. Or when they send me a message, hello at latinoswhotech.com. It's a way for me to hey, keep that conversation going. And I was talking with a listener. He's in, he's in Ohio. And he told me, hey, Hugo, I want to get from the podcast things that I cannot get anywhere else. You know, it's fine if you have all these, there's all kinds of tech podcasts, right? And they cover topics from a different angle. But the fact that here we cover that Latino, first generation, immigrant angle, plus tech, that adds value to him. See, he wants to keep me honest. He doesn't want me to start doing the, what everything, everybody else is doing. Yeah. So something very tactical. If you have, you have your nine to five, regular job and customers give you reviews, or even if your boss says, Hey, thank you. That was very helpful in an email. Save those emails, make a kudos folder something, something that you can read whenever you have a bad day and you remember like, Hey, I can do this job. I'm pretty good at it. Kevin, you use LinkedIn to find mentors, but I'm curious on how do you keep that mentorship relationship going? How do you keep it going? How do you make sure that it's not a one way street? It's not only you getting value, but also you're giving value to them. How do you manage that? That is a great question. That's a great question. And I think one of the things that people forget about professional development or networking or any kind of, anything to do with career advancement and mentoring is that, yeah, you like, you don't want to be essentially like just taking what they need from people and moving on. It is a relationship. It is a two-way street. And at the end of the day, I think it's something that people forget. It's a relationship. So I think I always say one of the, I think the three things that you need to be successful is 
one, I think know what you want to do, right? So figure it out. Do you have your tasting period and know what you want to do? Two, your ability to, to establish relationships with people, to manage relationships, establish relationships. And three, your ability to take care of yourself, mind, soul, and body. So if I'm fine, I take care of myself or whatever, you exercise, you eat enough. If it's more, I think mental right now, it's probably more relevant than ever, is like knowing how to keep yourself a top performer or at 100% sustainably. And a lot of that for number two is relationships. So I think for me, I try to be intentional with the people I reach out to, the people that I want mentoring me, because I know it's really easy to just connect with a thousand people on LinkedIn, create like a message and email and message, send that out to everybody. And you might have, not everyone will respond, but you'll have a lot of people saying, yeah, sure. Okay. 15 minutes. So I think then after that, it becomes really hard to have meaningful, deep relationships and keyword relationships with people like that. So I think for me, intentionality is the name of the game. Keeping it, having it be really intentional, which is why I say, if you know what you want to do, it makes all this really easy. So if I know I really want to get into education technology, ed tech, and I'm in Boston and okay, let me look at all the ed tech startups in Boston. And after seeing, wow, Mentor Collective is one of the best ones, right? And thinking about what, but what do I want to do? And I said, I want to learn how to use for myself or whether it's you want to be an entrepreneur one day, or you want to work in sales, or you just want to learn how partnerships exist between the business to businesses, whatever, what have you, let's say that's what I want to do. And uh, I'm in sales and I reach out to that team and that person, whether it be the hiring manager or more likely the people that are doing the job that you want. So whether they have the career that you want or the job you want, as, as long as it's very intentional, reach out to them. And I think that could be the beginning of relationship and let them know what you're looking for firsthand. And you have to be honest with yourself. Don't just say you want a mentor just for the key, for the, the buzzword or for know what you want, know what you want and thank them for their time. So I think for me, when I, when I enter these relationships, I think of, look, I'm looking to learn. I, for me, I think it's more so of not, not the job that I want. It's more for the career. I think very long-term I'm very tortoise and not the hare. So I'm thinking very long-term. And I think of people who have, who are, have built companies or services or have solved problems to solutions I really care about. I'm like, look, I'm trying to be like you, like for everyone who knows deeply knows I want to start my own company, right? I want to do my own thing and, and solve problems that I care about. So I want to look at people who I admire and look up to and say, man, I, I'm, I'm trying to create solutions for these problems and I want to learn from someone who did that really when I look up to. And, and I want to be intentional about learning from them and just almost be a little protege if they will. And I always say, if there's any way, if there's ever anything I can do to help you, I'm here. So that's like freelance work or pro, pro bono stuff, volunteering or anything like that. Sometimes it's not very, sometimes it's not very like in your face or obvious to the value that you can bring to them. Because obviously the value is to you, they don't necessarily need your help. You need their help. If there is a clear opportunity for you to help them, go. But I think it's mainly realizing that you can't just be like, hey, I'm on LinkedIn. Can we chat? And they say, yeah, sure. We're on the phone. And then asking for everything you want right then and there. You just met them. They don't know you, but you're asking for a job or a reference or new. So I think, like I said, being intentional about it, being intentional about forming a relationship with this person. And then once, you know, that relationship is there, 
and you feel comfortable and they feel comfortable asking for the things that, you know, that you might want. And it's not advice, but if it is a job or a reference or things like that, then go for it. But I think, like I said, just being really intentional about it, knowing why you want to have this relationship in the first place, because it's not just a mentorship, mm-hmm. it's a relationship yeah. and what you bring to the table. So whether right. that's youth or hard work or anything, but I, does that make sense? I hope that was helpful. No, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially if they're not asking for things right away. No, I, I, I have don't recommend that story. No, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> especially when people ask for time right away. Hey, can we jump in the phone? I have a couple of questions. Um, how about you email me the questions? If you're clear on what you want to do, you should have the questions already. And it's about working with people's times strategically. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because if right now I'll email all day, every day, I don't mind it. But then jumping in the phone with people, again, that takes some more, that takes more energy and effort that if I don't know you, I probably won't invest that time right away. Uh, but if we bounce emails, LinkedIn messages a couple of times, check out this cool article. I think you will find it interesting. Hey, Hugo, I saw that you have this in your logo. Here's a new logo that I designed because I think you would like it. Uh, maybe there's people like that, right? Like graphic designers that they do magical stuff in 10 minutes. Stuff that will take me like 10 years to get done. Yeah. So uh, doing that exchange first, I find that that helps build rapport. I want to close with a little story about that. I was actually recruiting at a tech conference for my previous company in Silicon Valley. And I was recruiting, I think I'm looking for interns, for new recent grads. And there's a lot of canned conversations when you go to recruiting events. Hi, I'm looking for an internship. I'm graduating, so on. And I get it. I was in that side of the table before. You're nervous. You're looking for a job. And I remembered that I had a student looking for an internship. And she approached the table. And we started having a conversation. And she asked me something that I hadn't heard in the last two hours at the recruiting event. She asked me, what's the biggest challenge your team has right now this quarter and at the time i was working making self-enabling content for partners in brazil and in mexico so i was having to take all these content for the data center and translate it in spanish and portuguese and granted i speak both languages but speaking both does not mean that you can Take, taking like a hundred slide deck and translating it with technical terminology, all that. Yeah. It's not like translating a, a song, right? Like it, it takes more effort. Because sometimes things don't translate, so, right? Yeah. So I told her that. And again, like nothing confidential. It's the truth, right? And, oh, that's very interesting. And I noticed that she took a note. And then we got having the conversation and she left and cool, forgot about it. Two weeks later, I get an email. Well, it was great to chat with you at the conference. This was at the Chef National Convention. And she said, Hugo, by the way, I think that you would find this valuable. And she sent me a link to a language portal from the European Union that was a technical dictionary in 28 languages. Wow. So it's something that engineers in Europe use to translate technical terminology from English to Romanian 
or Portuguese or Spanish. And just the fact that, like, she didn't have to send that. But she took a note, she researched the thing, and she sent me that. And I used it in a couple of projects that, oh, how do you say, uh, how do you say scalable architecture in the, you know, oh, architecture escalable. Okay, cool. So like you, you can put a, you can work with those things. And it was great. So we kept in touch a couple quarters down the line when I had an internship spot open. Who do you think I called first? Yeah. Hey, by the way, we have an, a spot in my team for an intern. If you're interested in applying, here's the job requisition. Send me your resume. Because of that little piece of value that she gave up front. Keep those things in mind. Keep those things in mind. You're asking people, hey, what's the biggest challenge right now? Maybe you won't be able to help. Well, who knows? Maybe you will. Because the fact that you're asking the question can mean the difference. Yeah. That's such a powerful story. And I think for me, like... I, I couldn't agree more. I think when you really are doing everything you can and be as prepared as possible to make the best first impression, whether it be in front of recruiter, hiring manager, conference, job interview, what have you, I think it ties into both things. Asking the right questions makes it makes all the difference. So whether it is, and every time I do have an informational interview, best believe I have questions on the agenda or already written in front of myself where I sent it to them prior. Because I respect their time. I don't want to waste their time. So just me like, oh, yeah, thanks so much for getting on the phone. And there's no end to the conversation. They're going to be like, get to the point. You know, that's a big major key, as the kids say nowadays. Make sure when you have these conversations and someone says yes to you to have the information interview, please think about the questions you want, you want them to answer most in that 20-minute, 30-minute, 45-minute window. And going back to how you add value to this relationship, this, uh, this person who made an impression on you, that is what it is, right? It's really thinking about how can I add value, right? And so whether it's for a job or for a mentor, thinking about that. And for me, that's something I do when it's like, maybe, maybe they won't, this person hasn't responded to me because they're so high up or they're so important or in the tech world, but I know they're working on, I don't know, like the, in improving, enhancing the digital experience. And I know someone in the company that is, that's doing digital experience or something. And I, this is interesting, just adding value and before, and, and that is one of the biggest things. So knowing what you want to talk about, what matters to you in terms of the conversation and finding ways to add value before anything is so important. So I think you hit the nail on the head there, on the head there. Hopefully uh, some gold nuggets there that you yeah. can leverage, put it in your mentorship folder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great, Kevin. Time to wrap up. But before we go, anything else you wanted to add? Any, any anything else that I forgot to ask you that you wanted to let the audience know? First off, for this opportunity, man, yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited and thrilled. And I'm uh, obviously theme is I'm feeling blessed and grateful and I'm hashtag gratitude right now. Uh, so yeah, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to, to address folks and la rata tra gente right in this way who want to get into the space. But I think for me, the biggest thing really is one, never give up on your dreams. If you can think it, it can happen. It just takes not only the imagination, but the ability to do it. And I think in these very uncertain times, it's really hard. A lot of us are frozen, 
and thinking about, oh, I was going to do this. I was supposed to do this. But I think on the subject of mentoring, right, it's so important during these days to connect with other folks and to continue to grow professionally and personally to never stop having these conversations because they're so important. And I think as we move forward, as we do things together, we stay connected and, you know, each one teach one, right? We all learn from each other to help the community, to build that generational wealth. We'll hopefully start to, to tip the scales and see things going in the right way. For all those out there who don't know what they want to do, that's okay, right? A lot of us don't. So if you don't know what you want to do, if you don't know what your favorite fruit is, go try some fruit. Go figure it out. <laughs> and once you get there, just make sure, yeah, you, you keep at it. Don't lose faith and that uh, hopefully you're happy. So yeah, that's it. If there's any other questions or things I can help with, I'm happy to chat after, but that's it. Mentorship is really important. It's free. It's a great way to learn from folk. And it's been my secret sauce to career advancement. Yeah, that's, that's all I can say. Thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah, of course. My pleasure.